one. What's going on? Everybody. You've got the cardboard coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And today we got a very special guest on the podcast here. We've got Karn from Slab Sharks. Why did I say Slab Slab Sharks? How are you doing today, man? Almost butchered that. <laughs> doing great. Doing great, Coach Co. How's it going? I think I'm going to have to start uh, using those weights behind you and uh, work out this winter, man. <laughs> You're already uh, influencing me here with that background. Oh, good, man. How are you doing today? Good, good. It's shipping day for you guys. Shipping day, Mondays, man. Our auctions, uh, they end on Thursdays. They start on Thursdays, end on Thursdays. Uh, so we get a few few days for our buyers to pay. And then uh, Monday, Tuesday, grinding all day to get the packages out. Sometimes, you know, 600, 700, 800 packages in uh, in one, two-day shot. So it's a, it's a grind, but uh, we get it done. That's wild. Talk to me. What is it like managing, uh, I mean, essentially an auction house on eBay, right? Like that's what you guys are to a certain extent. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a lot of fun. We get to see a lot of uh, cool cards. We meet a lot of cool people. We actually have uh, uh, drop-offs in person available. So you you book, uh, you know, an appointment on our website and uh, you walk in, you can drop off cards. So, you know, it's fun interacting with, uh, you know, the guys that are consigning the cards uh, in our auction house. And uh, you get to see some cool cards, but there's also a lot of uh, work to it as well when you're dealing with, you know, 1,000, 1,200 cards per week. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts to it uh and sometimes it's uh you know on a, a an outsider view it's like all you're doing is uh taking pictures listing cards but it's not as simple as that you have to skew each card you got to make sure the scans match the skews make sure the photos and the listings and the titles are correct and and you're going through all, all of this process within you know a 24 hour to 48 hour span um so it's it's a lot of grind and uh you know a lot of diligence and uh but we have a lot of fun with it it's it's great do you guys do like eBay promotions? Like, do you do you promote your listings, or is is it like strictly based on like the followers that you you've amassed? And no, uh... we yeah, so we are actually uh, in, in partnership with eBay. So what that uh, gives us is you know the kind of organic ability to be promoted on every listing that we have. Um, uh, I don't know if you ever noticed if you go on eBay.ca on Thursdays. Uh, we're actually the first company <clears throat> to have our logo on eBay.ca. <clears throat> so you actually see the Slap Sharks brand on the, the head banner on eBay.ca. Uh, you also see our badge anytime you're looking at our listings. If you're searching for, say, McDavid Young Guns and you'll scroll scroll through the listings, you'll actually see a Slap Sharks badge on, on one that is ours. So those are the ways, you know, eBay helps promote us. And all of our listings are actually organically uh, promoted by eBay as well. But we do further promotion. Uh, we actually also pay for promotion on, on the cards as well. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's pretty wild and definitely, I mean, advantageous for anyone that's submitting through you guys. Talk to me a little bit about that process. So you guys are a fairly new company, correct? Was yep. You guys are two or three years. Oh, less than that. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. We started right. our, our first official kind of day uh, and where we say we actually started this business was the last Edmonton Expo, which was, I believe, uh, May of last year. So, yeah, we're, so like 10 months ago. Like uh, yeah, just over yeah, a year. Like uh, 15, 14 months in, 15 okay. months in. And as a Slapstrix brand on eBay, we're only since January 1st, 2023. So... Uh, wow. it's, it's been, a it's been, a uh, you know, a short time span, but I feel like we've, 
done a lot of things correctly so far and we're, you know, growing the brand pretty uh, quickly. So it's been fun. So, so how do you go from, you know, opening up shop beginning of 2023 to now partnered with eBay featured on their, their explore page, uh, you know, like all these benefits that come with, I mean, essentially the brand that you guys have, have created. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things to it. I think uh, it helps uh, having personal relationships. I've been in this hobby uh, for quite some time uh, as, you know, a, a dealer and a buyer and seller of, you know, high-end cards and singles. I've been um, at the expo since uh, 2015 setting up um, and I've been at, uh, at the national since uh, 2017. So uh, those, you know, relationship building definitely helps get you through the door. And uh, I, I think with this business, we did, you know, a lot of things things that weren't profit driven and more uh, driven by passion and trying to build this business. And uh, sometimes that means, you know, not making any money uh, for, for a while. Uh, we still aren't. And uh, I, I think what we do is we reinvest in marketing and our processes and just building uh, the business as, as fast as you can at a steady pace uh, where we can handle it. Um, and yeah, I think uh, just doing all those things and reinvesting and creating those relationships really helped us get to where we are today. Yeah, I, I can definitely say from personal experience, one of the coolest things, like I've purchased from you guys previously through eBay, uh, won one of your auctions. And one of the things I, I found was like a fantastic touch was the the little like the slab sharks. It's upside down. It's upside down right there. It's like the the little coffin. You know, I call these a coffin, but it's probably a negative connotation there. But the uh, the holder for the slabs and you know, just like some, a little touch like that, it just goes a, a long way. Like so much so that I actually saved it. Like I got this thing probably like, I don't know, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. And I was like, ah, I could probably reuse this. I feel like there was a lot of, you know, time and energy put into that. But also it's like, a, it's it's perfect for, for sending cards and, and making sure that specifically slabs and making sure that they don't get uh, ruined in the process. So, you know, it seems like you guys are reinventing the wheel in Canada what like what was going through your head during this process like you know how does how do we get to a point where you're like i think that canadians need a better way to maybe have liquidity in their cards i think canadians need you know more consistency and, and more quality when it comes to shipping stuff out and and you know how do how do we get there yeah i think uh we're really focused on as a consignment company the selling experience which is the experience of dropping off a card with us or entering our consignment process and the buying experience. I think a lot of times uh, people think of one and not the other. And the buying experience is just as important as the selling experience. Because when you have uh, buyers that understand the consistency of your company and what you're going to get, uh, that results in more bids and more followers and more action in your listings. So we paid particular attention to both. Uh, for a seller experience, we are, you know, making sure that we list things quickly. Uh, we do diligence on uh, pictures and titles, and we have a lot of work to do there as well. We're still a young company and we're investing in that uh, opportunity. For example, we have a, a website portal coming out, uh, which is gonna be akin to what we see uh, with the bigger American consignment companies where you can log in and see an overview of all the, the items you've consigned with us, uh, historical transactions. You can see uh, your package if it's being received by us. And that's in development. It's in development for the last four months. 
Uh, it's going to be launched in a couple of months. And that's going to help, you know, consigners understand where their cards are at. You're going to be able to see the live bidding uh, uh, on our website uh, of where your cards are at in auction. Um, and you're not going to have to sift through a thousand listings trying yeah. to look on cards and yeah. also you'll see the titles that we have and if we've made a mistake uh you'll be able to see it uh a, a lot faster a lot quicker and get in touch with us touch with us a lot sooner as well um it'll help us with our payout reports it's gonna be automatic it's gonna be you know done by an algorithm instead of how we do it now which is manually so uh that'll be a lot quicker and faster and we're gonna have a a, a merch store where you get points every time you can sign a card with us and that's gonna you know engage our consigners to, you know, rack up their points to uh, get free merch, uh, whether that be Slap Sharks merch or partnerships that we have with our affiliates uh, and maybe even grading submissions to to tag grading. Uh, so those are the type of things we're doing for the selling experience. And for us, the buying experience is just as important. Uh, and I think that's a little bit simpler. And uh, a lot of companies don't do it. Uh, I think the problem is it's it is costly. It takes a little bit more time, uh, quality takes an extra day. You, you, Our shipping times might suffer by, I don't know, eight hours, and that might be one business day. But the quality that the buyers get, I think, is extremely important. And that includes the the coffin that you talk about, the card yeah. mailer that we, we have custom made. Uh, we have custom made uh, uh, sleeves uh, coming in, too, with Slap Sharks logo on it card savers um our penny sleeves have uh, uh tab pulls at the top with our logo on it um and we have actually a patent pending uh packaging uh being developed right now too so we're, we're reinvesting in that buying experience as well so everyone gets a consistent kind of uh understanding of what they're getting from slap sharks every time they buy and i think we are probably at like level two right now and we're going to get to that level three level four level five of our our buying experience it's going to get there uh even with our photography right now we use uh, a, a scanner uh, a high quality scanner but it's susceptible to scratches uh for example on on the glass and that uh affects uh photos sometimes yeah so what we're doing is we we actually have um a kind of a, a technology, a, ph a photography system um, that we're um, developing right now, which is actually going to result in uh, consistent uh, full photography photos of, of cards. Uh, it's not going to just be a, a scan. So I think that's a selling experience thing and a buying experience thing where people are going to be able to see the cards clearer, uh, understand that uh, the, the scratches are not just on the scanner um, and you're going to see, you know, a full resolution picture. So those are those are the things we're doing. You talk about like level two and level three in terms of buying experience, even level five. What does level 10 look like? Level 10 for me is you quick shipping, right? We find a process where we're, we're shipping right away. Um, and there's a consistent approach uh, where a buyer knows exactly we're getting this package. You're getting a package that's a slap shirts package um, and it's branded. Maybe you get a brochure inside the package. Uh, maybe, you know, the the graded card, each graded card is sleeved with our slap shirts logo. Each raw card has a pull tab that's branded. It has a card saver that's branded. Uh, just a whole kind of experience where you're excited to get a slap tricks package and it's consistent each and every time. Um, and that's going to be with advancement in shipping technology too. Right now, Canada Post is slow. We use FedEx, for example, for a lot of our high-end cards just to make it uh, a, a quicker experience for, for our, our buyers. So it just keep on, you know, putting yeah. the pedal down and uh, uh, getting better and better each time. Let me ask you something. If you start branding your packaging, do you think that your your packages will be more susceptible to like potentially getting a lot like stolen in the mail? 
Yeah, it's a, you know, it's possible. It's uh, something that uh, happens. Uh, that's why you have, uh, um, you know, packages are more, you know, concealed. Uh, so maybe the uh, the branding is on the inner in, inner side of the packaging. Yeah. Like you see with uh, other companies like PSA, yeah. where they ship uh, packages, uh, the PSA branding is when you open the yeah. package itself. Uh, but uh, that's a, a good segue in why Slap Sharks is so important for Canadians. We actually uh, cover those situations. So if we, uh, if you were a consigner, you could sign cards with us. And a lot of people are weary of, you know, eBay or even just shipping cards cross country across yep. the border. Uh, we take that kind of pain away. Um, if a package does get lost, the buyer is refunded uh, and the seller gets his payout. Uh, and we just uh, uh, make sure it's a part of our business plan and uh, we have the budget for it. That's amazing. Yeah. One of the things I was going to ask was like, you know, uh, what is the benefit to someone consigning with, with slap sharks, uh, slap sharks, slap, slap sharks. Why am I having some difficulty with this? I know what you guys are called. <laughs> it's a little bit of a tongue twister, I think. Yeah. Right? yeah I, I don't know. But uh, I think the advantage is really is just uh, getting into our ecosystem, right? Getting into our ecosystem. Uh, the fact that we have a partnership with eBay um, and uh, your your items are seen by more people. Um, people understand when our auctions are. Uh, so the activity is increased. Um, and the, the convenience, uh, the time factor, it takes an average of five to six minutes to list a, a card. So we have uh, people come in and dump a uh, hundred cards, 200 cards. That's uh, 500 minutes, a thousand minutes to, to list on eBay yourself. So you're yeah. saving a lot of time and effort using us. And there's that, uh, you know, like we said before, we, we cover lost damaged refunds as well. Uh, so if uh, someone two weeks down the line uh, tries to start a refund on us, uh, we're not coming back to the consigner and asking for, for the money back. Uh, we're taking care of that whole process. And also just, uh, you know, the efficiency of, uh, of how we do things. You drop off a, a package on, on Tuesday, it's up on Thursday. It's really quick. Uh, really? That easy. quick? Two yeah. days? Yeah. Two days. If you drop off Tuesday, it's up uh, that Thursday. Wow. And in-house we're canadian so uh, i think that's a big and important thing for me uh, specifically uh, as an individual kind of growing in this space um a lot of a lot of my success honestly early on was knowing how to maneuver the american markets right knowing how to ship over the border uh, how to save money coming back uh, into canada how to you know develop relationships with with american companies and you know through time, I'm like, why don't we have uh, uh, an ecosystem in Canada where we can just sell cards or even buy cards, right? It, it's yeah. it's uh, crazy how tough it is. We have LCSs and we have eBay.ca and a lot of people listed cards, but there was no company that was that was doing things the way that Americans were doing it. And uh, I just wanted to create an ecosystem that wasn't a middleman, uh, wasn't uh, sending it to an American company to sell yeah. for you. I wanted it to be Canadian driven and build a, a, a hobby and a community in Canada where people can liquidate their cards and go for services in Canada. And that, that includes grading down the line. I want a grading company to be, uh, you know, here in Canada, grading cards. I don't want people to be shipping over the border uh, just to sell their cards. So uh, I think that was a primary like passion driver for me. Uh, and I know how difficult it is, especially with the extra fees that are incurred uh, working uh, over the border. Oh, for sure, man. Talk to me a little bit about that because you and I have talked about this like off the record, but I, I want the listeners to kind of know, you know, where your head's at in terms of like building Canadian relationships and building up the hobby in Canada, because I think that's one of the reasons why 
uh, you and I connected so well when, when we were talking is, is, you know, this is a, it's a big deal for you. Oh yeah, for sure. Because I, I think, uh, sometimes we forget, uh, how small the ca- Canadian hobby is and it's growing. It's going to a pace now where it makes sense to build a Canadian ecosystem and, but it's still small. So I, I think a, a collaboration and working together and partnerships with other Canadians, it's crucial uh, in, in today's kind of ecosystem and environment in Canada that we all work together and kind of build the pie together uh, as companies, as individuals. And prior, I'd say 2016, 2017, 2018, it was a lot smaller than it was today so you know there's a lot of people that uh you know built uh, a great reputation for themselves in this industry and uh the next step is always moving towards america and building something in the states and partnering up in the in the states with companies but for me it's backwards i want to i built the american relationships prior i want to start building in canada i want to start having partners in in canada collaborating in canada let's make canada a place where you can have a one-stop shop for the hobby we don't need to uh, ship uh to the u.s uh and as as a company we ship for you to the u.s but as as a as a consigner let's keep it in-house let's uh let's just ship from toronto to vancouver vancouver to to toronto and that kind of thing so it's 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 a passion project for me completely and i even told you like uh, coach co you're, you're becoming this uh canadian hobby icon and uh i i think you you have a place to to build even further in canada and become like a, a even bigger icon and, and a homegrown talent you know so yeah. you're like mitch martyr man that's that's <laughs> i don't know man i don't know if i want to be compared to mitch martyr i feel like that guy hears footsteps sometimes man <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want to see him do well man but mitchie sometimes when it comes when push comes to shove he he crumbles man i mean the leafs got to take a massive step this year oh yeah definitely man uh we need uh austin to to uh you know fix his ailments on his wrist or whatever is going on it's crazy scoring 40 goals is a disappointment but that's kind of the the standard that uh he put upon us there's no way he doesn't bounce back next year there's just there's no way like, hey, you're starting. You're starting to see the Facebook groups looking for uh, PSA ten Matthews Young Guns. People are, you know, looking forward to it. There, I think stuff's pretty already... cheap comparatively, man. I mean, I think his PSA ten was going for like twenty one hundred bucks Canadian at one point. No, three thousand at one point. So now it's down to like nine seventy five to eleven hundred dollar range. And uh, the thing is, he's got his expectations are so high. He needs to score fifty goals for him to bounce back. If he scores yeah. forty two. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> right? So yeah, he, I mean, I, he's he coming off a heart trophy like a season and well, two seasons ago. You know, like that's uh, it's not easy to to replicate that. I mean, it's gonna be very interesting to see. Do you find that? So you've been in this hobby for a while. How, in your opinion, how is where we're at in terms of like stability? Like you've seen crashes previously. You know, you were a part of the you were a focal point of the 2000 run up or the 2020 run up. Like, where are we at right now in terms of pricing in terms of stable, like stabilization of the market? Like, I mean, a lot of people talk about this, right? Where do you think we're at? I think overall there's, there's a couple of facets and like angles, how to look at it. Right. Overall in terms of the number of people, uh, they enjoy cards, the number of dealers that have entered the market, the number of uh, card shops that are opening up, uh, the services, the kind of the the corporate dollars coming into the hobby. 
it's strong. The growth is amazing and uh, it, it's exciting. It's exciting going to the National or Toronto Expo or the CSC show and, and you're seeing it get better and better each time. You're starting to see more money being spent to bring in bigger athletes, uh, cosplayers uh, at the Von Con show. So that's exciting. Uh, and you're getting a lot of people involved. So that part, extremely strong. Now there's the distribution side, where is uh, the wax? Uh, what product is coming out? What are the margins? Uh, how much harder is it to make the same amount of money and turn on investment? That side seems like it's a little tougher. Right? It feels like we're in a you know a, a, a switch in terms of how distribution is going to change uh, in the near future here with fanatics coming in. Yeah. So that part is a little bit more speculative. And the hockey side is actually okay because Upper Deck is, is still around. It's probably not going to change too much. And the margins so have always been slim with Upper Deck. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, so everyone's used to that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Canadians are actually well-versed in, in, in a nice little area because not a lot is changing in canada yeah it's actually it's getting better and better yeah. so it's and I, I like canada a lot i feel like um there's a lot of good things uh coming from all these changes but in the states there's a lot of changes coming and uh, i i am a little weary and cautious of how that's going to affect things uh whether that be um wax just being you know like back before 2018 certain products just never moved uh and right now you have to almost buy certain products to get yeah. other products with the yeah. out system um so i'm worried about how that's going to work out uh when people are forced to buy weaker products and people are not spending money on every single kind of wax box that comes out um so i'm a little weary on that uh, on the single sides of things um you're starting to see a little bit of a consolidation in the market uh we got to a point where tennis cards michael jackson rookies Disney, uh, Disney rookies. Uh, I, I saw people looking for cricket stars uh, and F1 was a part of this too. Uh, tennis was getting big. Um, there was the like, Ro I mean, the rock had like that perforated uh, the, yeah, the, the side for kids card sell for like well over a hundred K, you know what Usain I mean? Bolt, like, Usain Bolt, PC, yeah. and Michael Phelps, 30, 40, $50,000. That market has already consolidated. So uh that Mike, uh, the Usain Bolt car that was forty thousand dollars in the PSA ten just sold for three grand. That's a massive drop yeah. now. So the, the the market got thinned out and now it's consolidating back, which is probably good. But a lot of people lost a lot of money uh, on the way back here, um, and the guys that just stuck with hockey haven't seen it because they didn't even get into those markets, so they didn't see how many people lost money uh, during the the kind of COVID COVID comeback to reality phase yeah um, so that that money is now consolidating back to the big four or five sports but the prices are still creeping down or staying stagnant so that cash rushing back is kind of i think maybe keeping our perception that things are stronger than they actually are yeah because that consolidation is happening but prices are not going up they're actually still going down or staying stagnant so I'm a little cautious and weary about that as well, yeah. uh, where single prices are heading. But I think we're close, personally. I think, you know, maybe 30%, 40% more to go down. But that's not everything. I think hockey is no, well-positioned still because it's a very heavily uh, collected uh, genre where, you know, a lot of the cards are, are under lock and key in Canada. A lot of people don't like shipping over the border, which yeah. is 
a reason why you don't see a lot of big cards in consignment in, in U.S. Uh, auction houses. You're starting to see it a little bit now. You didn't see it during the COVID peak, so it almost seems like uh, people held on during the COVID peak, and now that prices are coming down back to reality, those big pieces are hitting auction. Well, because, I mean, almost, they might be a little scared, right? So, like, Yeah, the timing got missed a little bit. So. I know. Well, recently, uh, like Buffett just pulled a ton of money out of the market, right? Like, how do, how do you feel when you see someone like that with billions of dollars in – a stock market, which is, you know, traditionally a much safer, you know, investment vehicle um, pulls, you know, a billion dollars out of the market. Like, how does that make you feel about people buying sports cards with their like the disposable income? It, it, there's two ideologies to that. Yeah. Right. And the first one, which is the one I, I share is I think uh, uh, the economy and the 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 performance in the economy matters more than any player performance, any trend, uh, any holding for a certain event like the playoffs or a Hall of Fame induction. Um, I think what is happening in the world is the primary driver of even card prices. Yeah. Um, and we've seen, you know, strength in card prices during recessions and all of that before. And I think that is what gets pointed to uh, when talking about the fact that cards can kind of outlast uh, recessions in the yeah. economy. Yeah. But we never had what we had to this last three years, where which was a major kind of Just like uh, a run up. In, in, in sports cards. Um, yeah. we, it's not normal having $800,000 PSA 10 Jordan cards when there's 323, 24 of them out there. So it's coming back to reality. So I share the sentiment of being cautious. Uh, I'm not buying to really, as an investment, I am going after a lot of LeBron rookie autos right now, but yeah. it's a, more of a collect invest situation where yeah, yeah. I'm actually trying to collect them all and see what happens. I'm a big believer in LeBron, but uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if they're going to go up in value uh, in the short term. We'll see what happens, yeah. right? Um, but, but I mean, like, think about like, I mean, the qual the, the caliber of stuff we're talking about right now, right? Like you're talking about like LeBron James rookie autographs, right? Like that's like, I mean, the creme de la creme, do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. like, and even then you're not even considering that like as an investment piece, like that's kind of like you're, you understand that it's entirely possible that this thing comes down in the short term. And, you know, this might be something you have to hold for. And, and I'm sure you have no problem holding for the considerable future. Right. Like, and I think that's something that not enough people take into account, you know, when it comes to like buying and selling cards is uh, they, th I mean, the flip game is, is great. It's awesome. But at the same time, it, it can be quite dangerous, especially if something like this starts happening in the economy. Right. Yeah. For me, I think my, my term is not even holding for uh, a profit here. It's actually collecting on the downward trend. <laughs> like yeah. I'm going to collect downwards. Yeah. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. To, uh, I, I say that all the time. I'm like, I'm like, if no one's talking about them, then then I might be buying. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, uh, like, even if I buy a card at say, I don't know, like 10, 10 grand uh, today, um, I'm trying to fill the whole set. Uh, I think it's going to continue going down, and that's a weird way of looking at it. So I'm just going to buy the next card as they keep going down, and yeah. that's a better way to find the floor, in my opinion, because yeah. I'm buying downwards, right? That's what I'm trying to do, uh, and I think uh, in terms of the cautiousness of moving in the hobby right now, the low, the, the, the lower valued stuff and uh, uh, kind of that, that $50 to, I hate saying lower value because it's so like uh, subjective. I'd yeah. say you know, the, the less costly stuff Yeah. Uh, that $50 to 
$2,000 stuff, right? I think the sentiment is they're, they're so cheap right now. They can't really go down too much. The thing is they can, yeah. right? Like, yeah. They really can. Yeah. But the thing that makes me feel... I mean, you're like- still spending $200 on a, on a piece of cardboard, right? Like, and, and this is coming from someone who like loves... I love sports cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have, I I have love way too many, cards. way too many... And I yeah. keep buying more and you can't stop me even if you tried. But at the end of the day, you know, like you're still spending 200 bucks on like yeah. a piece of cardboard. And, and I, I, for me, there's just so, so much out there that's about record prices, prices going up. It's almost like we need the balance of the other side as well. Right. And uh, I, I think a healthy hobby is a hobby where people aren't, uh, putting in all of their money into cards, hoping that they're going to go up in the next six to 12 months, because if the entrance of the hobby and the consumer base get hurt, they're going to leave the hobby yeah. or they're not have the money to spend yeah. on the hobby. Right. I so would that, agree. while like record prices have short-term strength, long-term being cautious and, and diligent and um, collecting or investing within your means is I think the most important thing. And for me, in the next six to twelve months, yeah, the, a, a, a Lorcana box could have went from three hundred to five hundred dollars, but there's like ninety percent of other things that have gone down, right? Yeah. There's all these picks out there. Yeah. There's always that three yes. uh, rookies in the NHL or guys that get hot that drive the idea that's going to happen to five other players, yeah. right? That's what keeps the kind of gambling aspect going. But you got to look at the the general market and see where that's actually going, right? So, and and that's why I think it's important to like like especially during times of i guess economic duress if if you like lean on the collecting side of it i feel like you can probably make some significant moves uh, at least with respect to you know gauging whether you you're cautious or or not right like i i have a bunch of ronaldo rookies. i don't know a bunch i have a few ronaldo rookies and and my every time someone asks me like you know like what's the number for you to sell them it's like, for me, it's like either I go or he goes. And like, I always make that joke that I'm like, either I die and I pass this on to, you know, like my next of kin and then they do whatever the hell they want with him or he got, or he, he dies. Right. Like there's like, and I mean, maybe throughout my life that'll change, but like, that's my sentiment. That's what it's going to be from now on. Like that, the, the money that I've put into those things, the, the, the manner in which that like I appreciate them in my collection, in my house, every time I pull them out, the way that I look at them, like that those things aren't going anywhere. Like unless you pry them from my cold dead hands. Do you know what I mean? So and not every card is like that, obviously, but, you know, kind of leaning on those cards, I think, makes it a little bit easier to digest, you know, going into like times of economic uncertainty. Like we talked about, you know, someone like the, the Usain Bolt. $50,000 now it's down to like, or $40,000 now it's down to like 3K, right? If the, if the guy who bought that at 40 had ne- no intention of selling that card ever, I mean, does he really care that it's a $3,000 card anymore? Not really, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't really get two shits. Depends, depends how much I, 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 I guess, <laughs> but, but that, that means that you over that you overreach, yeah. right? That you, you yeah. put way too much into it that, that and, and that's also like not a great idea. And like having a budget and understanding that, you know, maybe trying to time your buys is in it, probably not ideal when it comes to times of economic uncertainty. Although, I mean, who can ever really gauge like what is economic uncertainty? Exactly. It's, it's completely yeah. uh, random yeah. and we, yeah. we have no, all you can really do is be cautious of it and have yeah. it in the 
in your mind. Yeah. Dude, um, maybe there is no recession and uh, yeah. we, we go on a bounce back. We go on a full bull market and uh, cards go up 10x. Maybe Warren Buffett is taking out his cash and buying cards. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, maybe you believe, you know, like we, we, we have so I love it. what's going on, right? So for talk me, to me about, talk to me about your collecting journey, man. So like, where does it start? You know, you said you, you've been going, you've been setting up at the expo since 2015, going to the national since 2017. What, what 2017, 2015, what, why did you do it? Where does it come from? Yeah. My, my first uh, expo was actually uh, 2003. There you go. I've been correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 2003 for Rick Nash. I actually pulled my first Rick Nash. It was a super short print young guns. Uh, on the way to Vancouver in the plane because I was crying and my parents, I was 10 years old and my parents bought me a box of hockey cards because I was a big Pokemon uh, and hockey card collector. And I pulled a Rick Nash card. I had no penny sleeves, no uh, card savers, no top loaders. And this was the start of the trip going to Vancouver. So I, I, I like kept that like uh, card, like mint condition, like protected. Like it was my life through the whole trip. Came back, the expo was like a couple of months later, and I went there to grade it. And uh, back then, there was a Beckett, uh, I had a Beckett magazine. Uh, I actually attempted to send it to Beckett first, and you actually, there was like this little card in the Beckett magazine, and you had to fill it out. You had to do like a check mark, um, and you had to like put like a, a check with the little coupon and yeah. send it. And I sent in my card and I was so excited to get it back. And it used to be like 15 bucks or something crazy like that. And it was in US, but I, I, I gave like a $20 Canadian bill or something like that. I asked my mom for it. She gave it to me and I waited for my card to come back. And like months later, I got it back in the mail and uh, they said they couldn't grade it because they don't accept uh, Canadian money. What? <laughs> it was something crazy like that. And I was like so upset. And then I found we used to get like a magazine in the mail for the expo, the Toronto expo. Um, I got that magazine. Uh, the reason I got into cards is because my brother was had a huge collection and he's a big hockey fan. So he was like into the vibes already. So I used to get that magazine mailed to me. I saw the expo was coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, as a 10 year old, I went there and uh, I graded my Rick Nash young guns with KSA. I've uh, got a nine and a half and it was like the best thing ever. Like it was my first kind of uh, uh, story in the hobby. And, uh, and ever since then I I've loved it and I've collected, you know, here and there. And then I stopped for a while and then got really back into it with uh, the McDavid Matthews era. So not a bad time to jump back into it, bro. Yeah, dude, it was it, it aligned perfectly for for me, and uh, I was just starting like university around that time, and uh, um, just felt like you know this is the time to get back into it, and I think a lot of people did too. So it, you could see the jump in prices during that time, 2015, 2016. I think a lot of people uh, jumped back in. Talk to me about when McDavid first when he first hit like the Young Guns first hit the market. Like, what were those things going for? Oh, it was crazy. I think uh, you had a couple of sales for like a thousand bucks. Really? Uh, yeah, you had like a, no, a, 10 years ago? Yeah, man. Uh, what? You had a couple of estimates at a thousand, but it, it settled at like four fifty, five hundred dollars uh, And then it dropped really badly. Because he, he got injured. Because he got injured. Then they were like a hundred, hundred twenty bucks. Uh, and then you can pick them up during the Matthews year for like two twenty to 250 for a good while. And I know Matthews out of the gate was about $110. I, I bought my first one on Kijiji for I think 140 or something like that. And I'll just uh, stacking them up. Marner was 35 bucks. 
Uh, Nylander was, I think, like 16, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, Nylander is the only one that hasn't like absolutely taken off. It's like, yeah, I think it's like a 50 bucks now. Yeah, I kind of say the same, you know. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, right? I don't know if yeah. you're playing, being third fiddle or whatever it was. You, yeah, but you... he was the first one to break onto the scene too, right? Like he was playing with Phil Kessel, I think, still. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's uh, I think so. that's crazy to think of. I remember he came into the league and he was wearing like a uh, number like, it was something weird. I have the jersey. I think it was like 52 or four, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. He killed it. His, I mean, his rookie season, he was tearing it up, man. Everyone was like, oh, this guy's this guy's like the second come in, you know? Like this guy, next unbelievable Swedish player to play for Toronto. Yeah, you don't see it now, but we, we used to have uh, Nylander Super Collectors that used to buy up all the Nylander cards and had a huge PC of Nylander. And unfortunately, they're just not in the hobby anymore. I don't know if that's <laughs> better or not, but there was a couple of them out there. Talk to me about, you know, what kind of cards were floating around back in 2015-16? Like, you know, the biggest cards you can ever think of. Like, all the cards that are grails and you haven't, like, don't know anything. Like, you think they're, like, just, like, ghosts. Seen them all, man. I, yeah. I huge Austin Matthews uh, guy, so I went in really hard on, on his cards uh, early. So, I've owned, like, nine of his high glosses out of ten. Really? At the same time. I owned, like, eight. What? Mm-hmm. At the same time? Yeah, I have a picture. Oh, I had uh, like eight of his black labels when there was like 11 of them. What the fuck? I uh, had uh, his Super Factor Platinum Auto, um, the one of one. I've seen the McDavid Super Factor one of one auto. Um, I've seen the, the Platinum plat- was like undervalued for a long time. Like, I, even in I think 2020, 2021, like Platinum prices were still pretty cheap. Like, That's only good. recently are you seeing those all time highs. You guess where I found the Austin Matthews rookie platinum superfractor PSA 10 auto. Guess like country. Like, is that what you're asking me or what? Well, well guess like which card show, which card show. Yeah. It's a big one. The national, the national really Cleveland at the national. Really? Like uh, I went with my one of my buddies, and we were into Pokemon at that time. Pokemon and hockey cards. We're like, we're not going to find any hockey cards here, so let's uh, flip to Pokemon. Um, this is a time where like Fossil First Edition Pokemon packs, which are probably like I don't even know. I think a box is like twelve grand right now. The packs were forty bucks at, at the national, stacking up on them. But we were walking around, didn't see any hockey. Stephen Perot was there. He's like the only hockey guy. Um, uh, I found, I, I walked by, I'm like, wait, hold on. That's a, that's a Austin Matthews. That's gold. That's, I think that's a one of one PSA 10. It was RBI crew seven, which is a huge American. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He added, uh, he added no a, way really. And I'm like, how much is this card? And at the time his high gloss, I bought, I was buying his high glosses for like nine, nine K which is still very expensive. Like, yeah, actually haven't done as great as, as other cards since then. But um, uh, it was 11,000 US. PSA 10, one-on-one superfractor. And I'm like, I need to get this card. Seems pretty high though at the yeah. time, right? Because platinum was in a, a huge deal as orange was like a 3,000. Well, and like people just didn't, like hockey collectors didn't like the, they didn't like the bells and whistles. They didn't like the they like the paper product, right? It yeah. wasn't about shiny, like it wasn't parallels. They didn't give a shit about that. Exactly. And uh I wanted to do a deal and I had PayPal. 
And he's like, cash only. I'm Canadian. At the time, I'm like, like, how old am I? I'm like 23 or something like that. I didn't have, you know, U.S. cash. I wasn't like, you know, bringing wads of U.S. dollars to the national. And he's like, sorry, I can't take Canadian money. I can't take PayPal. I need cash. And I, I'm just like, oh, man, I'm going to lose this card. There's a couple of, you know, Toronto guys who are big in Matthews, too. I'm like, if they see this card. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, and luckily, I messaged him after the show. And uh, I asked him if he still has it. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the, you know, currency exchange, exchange my cash. Uh, he wouldn't ship the card. At that time, $11,000 was, you know, uh, the like biggest cards you can get were like yeah. 30 11 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so you want to ship that now we ship you know cards no matter what <laughs> exactly uh and and i got on a flight to st louis my like first like flight by myself type situation went there with a wad of cash bought the matthews and brought it back home it was like the the biggest deal i, I did at the time it was uh, how did you explain that cash going over the border uh, i think uh i think I think his name is Ryan. I think he helped me out a bit where I could give him like 7,500. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And stuff like whatever the, the limit was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He let me give the rest in PayPal or someone else sent it to him. Something. There was a situation with that for sure. Yeah, because I'm like, man, that would have been, especially like 23 first flight on your own, you know? Like, this is like, uh, this is the, they're like, yo, what's this guy doing? You know, like, went with like an empty suitcase. You know? <laughs> exactly. I went for like two hours. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I went crazy with that. I, I completed the whole Platinum Auto set for Matthews and Marner. So I had the Marner 101 Superfactor Auto as well. So those are the type of cards you saw back then. Matt McDavid high losses were just sitting on in cases. Uh, th- I've seen the Exquisite Shield in person. I've seen the Foundations 101. Um, just just the biggest the exquisite sale the exquisite shield that's on sale right now uh no that's the ultimate okay the my apologies. Yeah, yeah. it's on ebay uh on probstein yeah so that, i was at the expo walking around um uh just like going booth to booth so yeah huge cards that's crazy what do you have left right now i am 100 percent all in on lebron james rookie autos so really kind of, yeah so uh, all i have left after that is uh um uh, uh, but the Ovechkin high gloss young guns jersey number. That's not bad. That's like that's not a bad thing to own. That's exactly. not bad, bro. It's the only hockey card I have right now. Jersey number two. Yeah, it's a cool card. It's an amazing card. And then I but LeBron, I'm trying to get. So he has 43, 44 uh, rookie autos uh, over the serial number of 23. Uh, so I'm trying to get all 43. That's that's my goal. It's a long term goal. How many you at? Uh, I'm at like 22 or something like that. I mean, that's halfway there. Yeah, halfway, but uh, the ones left are like the a lot of big ones. I have the RPA, which is the one of the bigger ones. Uh, but there's a lot like of the like, exquisite RPA. Yeah, bro. I got the RPA. What? What are we talking about here? You haven't seen it uh, at the, my my booth? No, man. At the booth, eh? But uh, yeah, I showed it off at the Toronto Expo. But uh, there's a couple like. Um, uh, number pieces, emblems of endorsement. Those are huge cards. And I'm like, fingers crossed, hoping for, you know, a little bit more crash to, to happen because I, I want to buy them on the, on the, on the downward. Did you, uh, have you heard like the rumblings that uh, LeBron's potentially not upper deck exclusive anymore? Yeah. It's, it's, very... how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? I think it'd actually be cool, man. I think uh, it brings more, 
it invigorates a little bit more excitement, I think, in his cards. Uh, I think, uh, you know, if there Do you was... think it'll oversaturate, like, the auto market for him? Rookie I mean, obviously, auto. rookie autos are different. No, no, no. We're not talking about the stuff you're buying, bro. Okay? I, I, We're not talking about the stuff. We're not talking about the exquisites. Okay? Yeah. We're talking about his but autos in why, general. That's why you got to go for the rookie autos, right? That's why it's safe, right? But yeah. I agree. If you saturate the rest of the autos, um, there's more. The more there are, like Curry has like eight million autos. Do you know what I mean? Like that's like problem, right? That's he one of the a... issues with Curry stuff. It's just there's just Curry so many goes. Curry autos. Gretzky, Bobby Orr. Imagine if Gretzky only signed five years. Like his his cards would be insane. Yeah, unfortunately, he signs for five years. He signs the amount of five years every year. I know. So- Every so you, every product has Gretzky autos, you know, like not actually, but like that's like uh, a selling feature. You know? also, <laughs> that's like that's like yeah. stature, you know. We checklist is weak. Yeah, Gretzky autos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think LeBron is. I I think he's a businessman, and I don't think uh, I honestly don't think he'd just sign with fanatics. I think he would just uh, either create his own product, like free agents, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think he's trying to get more of his autos out there i i don't i believe he's a little bit more savvy than that so i doubt he's gonna have more autos in the near future and if he does it's gonna be after playing days that's my that's my thought so you're gonna have a little bit of a segment there with playing day autos versus non-playing day autos which has obviously a great value to to the hobby community it would have been interesting to see i mean obviously r.i.p kobe but like it would have been interesting to see how he kind of transitioned in in you know, the, even the collecting space too, right? Because like he was like, it's not like he's he wasn't playing for a considerable amount of time before COVID happened and before, I mean, essentially this boom, right? So it would have been interesting because like he, I think he probably would have been like the template for like what what to do and what not to do as like someone who's widely regarded as one of the greatest of all time, especially when it comes to like modern basketball, right? Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, for sure, and I think he was he was a a, a very you know. Large signer, he signed a lot of cards, so he's got a lot of autographs out there. And I think uh, a lot of uh, uh, people tried to collect all of his autographs and almost like quit uh, down the way because there's so many you can't. Like there's there's still kind of coming out. Um, so yeah, but um, yeah, Kobe was kind of a, a guy everyone looked up to in the hobby uh, during his playing days and and rest in peace. He was doing a lot of great things after his career was done too. So he was going to always be in the public eye winning an Oscar like that's crazy right yeah I know I know so, you know and, and it's gonna it's gonna be I mean, LeBron LeBron tried with Space Jam <laughs> I, 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 I like I like Space Jam I'm not gonna yeah, lie yeah yeah on one but uh um I I think LeBron it's gonna be interesting to see what his post uh playing day career is going to be like uh I think he's gonna definitely be out there I think he's gonna be like a, an actor or whatever he's going to do he has his like production company and all that so i think you're going to see him um pretty often i think uh one of the reasons i mean he gets so much hate it's actually kind of crazy it's it's like this weird phenomenon that like while these great players and like i'm talking like great as in some of the greatest ever are playing they're just not respected in the manner that they probably should be and it's happened to ronaldo too where like people are just like oh he's shit you know and i'm like are you we're talking about even if their second best of all time like do you understand how difficult that is over the course of however many years that that this sport has been around so like for you to call them shit is 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 crazy and so i think because of that there's there's this especially when it comes to like social media there's like this great opportunity to kind of pick up these all-time greats while they're playing albert pujols happened to him before he went on that home run tour 
um, you know, last last season, people were yeah. like, Albert Pujols is shit. Like, he's terrible. And I'm like, do you understand what the accolade that this guy's had? And like, I was buying Albert, like, while people were calling him shit. And then he was essentially, I was in a 700 run, home runs he hit, you know, like, I was like, everyone now all of a sudden is all ha- happy go lucky and oh albert's the greatest and looking at highlights and stuff so that's like first 12 years in mlb history or something like that or close to it right we well, so. had like three mvps he won a, a world series with the angels didn't he uh, yeah he did i, I believe so I, I at least i think the cardinals at least you know like this guy was the machine it's literally his name it's, it's the nickname yeah. it's machine i think uh miggy's in that category too to be honest where like people are they just almost forget how good miggy was like the guy won a triple crown i think he might have been the last player to win a triple crown yeah, and you know what's an interesting one where, uh, you know, it's it's steroid era, but Barry Bonds, man, Barry Bonds, I, I think it's almost accepted now that almost everyone during that era was juicing up, uh, and you're starting to see his cards kind of tick back up after years. I think we're starting to get a little bit more progressive with... Uh, Do you think the- he gets into the hall? I don't know. I don't think so, because MLB is kind of old school that yeah. way. I do think that fanfare is kind of changing a little bit. You're starting to see his big cards really sell for some uh, great money now. And uh, Pete Rose is a travesty. Yeah, that one sucks because it's like he didn't really like. I get it, like betting on. I don't think he was betting on himself. I think he was betting on. Uh, was he betting on himself? Or? I don't think so. I don't think it's ever been confirmed. Like he wasn't like you know screwing around in terms of like the results of his own game that affect negatively. But um, now betting's everywhere. I'm everywhere. Sure. Everywhere. Dude, all these athletes have like proxies gambling for them for sure yeah of course uh yeah it's unfortunate it's very interesting man so uh let's finish this off by you know showing us where we can find you where can if someone wanted to consign with slab sharks uh where can they find you how can they contact you uh maybe they have some questions about a collection that they came across or you know how can they be filtered and funneled to you and your team. Yeah, I think our, our two primary modes of communication are probably Instagram. Our uh, Instagram is Slap Sharks Inc. Uh, the ink is important because uh, there's a, another Slap Sharks uh, that sometimes people uh, message that that guy and he messages us and directs uh, them to us at Slap Sharks Inc. And then our website is uh, www.slapsharks.com. Um, uh, on our website, uh, you'll see exactly the process process on how to consign items to us. And if you have any specific questions for us, uh, you can either you know message me on Facebook, Karn Rai. Uh, you can direct message us on Instagram um, or email us at uh, support at slapsharks.com. And uh, I, I handle a lot of the communication stuff. So um, uh, I message back uh, fairly quickly. So anytime you know there's a question, I'll get, get back to you as soon as I can. I can confirm that is true. <laughs> Karn, awesome. I want to th- I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today and uh, you know giving us a nice little history lesson. Yeah. Team, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Cardboard Coach. As always, please go follow our guest and I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Coach Go and Karn are out of here. <laughs>